Hey everybody, welcome to episode 50 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and I'm excited for this week. Episode 50, 5-0. It's uh, pretty wild to say that out loud, and it's tough to believe that uh, 50 episodes ago we started this thing. So uh, we've been at it for just over a year, or actually just at a year uh, this past week, and 50 episodes in, and I really appreciate you guys as the audience tuning in every week. Uh, sharing the episodes that you like, uh, commenting, leaving reviews, connecting with me. Uh, It's definitely all been super helpful in growing this thing over the last year, and I'm really excited about the trajectory that it's on. Uh, We've definitely reached a lot of people in the U.S. and a lot of people around the world in 35-plus countries out there around the world. So I'm really excited to continue to grow this, and uh, some of the best ways that I can continue to grow this are just through the feedback that you guys give me every single day, um, which is via email. You can email me at juniorgolfkeys at gmail.com. You can connect with us on social media, uh, send us direct messages there. We can also get our information there. Uh, You know, it's really helpful when you guys go out and leave reviews. So if you've been listening for a while and haven't had a chance to leave a review, I'd really love it if you could go on and, you know, not just rate us by the, you know, star scale that they've got out there on the review system, but leave some comments, really give us some context behind uh, why you feel the way that you feel about the podcast because it really helps uh, good, bad, or indifferent helps us try to figure out uh, where we can take this thing and how we can continue to grow it that's going to bring the most value to you guys as the listeners to help in your junior golf journey. So thank you very much for everything that you do. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited for this week's guest. Uh, Courtney Jones is the Associate Heads Women's Coach at the University of Washington. Um, really excited to have Courtney on. She's got some really good experience. She's going to definitely talk to us about you know, her path, how she got introduced to the game, and what her journey has been like. Uh, but just to give you a little bit of her background, and she's going to talk about some of this. Um, she's going into her second year at the University of Washington as the associate head women's coach. Uh, prior to that, she spent eight years at Oklahoma State University. Uh, for the past six years, uh, she was the head women's coach at Oklahoma State and then served as the assistant uh, for two years prior to that. In 2016, she was named the Big 12 Coach of the Year. Uh, she has been a two-time Big 12 title winner in 2013 and 2016. And at her time at Oklahoma State, uh, she was part of 19 tournament titles. Um, prior to her college coaching career, uh, she spent some time at the AJGA, uh, about four years there where she was a senior tournament director. She also vice-captained the, uh, at the Ping Junior Solheim Cup. Uh, Courtney played her college golf at the University of Tulsa. Unfortunately, uh, ran across an injury there in her junior year, um, which you know caused her to not be playing competitively. Uh, any further after that, but um, you know, did have a good career at the University of Tulsa, both in golf and academically. She was a two-time academic All-American. So Courtney's definitely got a lot of really good experience. I really enjoyed talking with her about that experience and you know, trying to pull different information out of her that could really help you guys in your junior golf journeys and your you know college search and your college recruiting, you know, those types of things. So. Like I said earlier, we're going to talk about her intro to golf. We're going to talk about her experience with the AJGA, um, her experience as a vice captain for the Junior Solheim Cup, 
Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, what a day in the life looks like at UW, uh, different things, you know, that parents can be doing in the recruiting process, players can be doing in the recruiting process. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of the impact that COVID has had with scholarships and specifically, you know, 2021 grad year students coming out of high school, uh, you know, those types of things. Courtney's got some really good advice for people that are in those situations right now because it's just something real that we're going through. So uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this talk and I'm really excited to get to it. But before we get to it, I want to tell you about my partner, Golf Kicks. Uh, Golf Kicks has changed the game when it comes to golf shoes. So what they've done is they've created an aftermarket spike that you can put into virtually any pair of tennis shoes that's got a decent rubber sole on them. And you can take your you know, flavor and uh, functionality that you've got with your sneaker game and bring it out to the golf course. So you're going to have a comfortable golf shoe that you can wear that's got the functionality of a golf shoe. Um, And I think you guys are really going to enjoy these. So if you head over to uh, golfkicks.com and you use the code JGK20, like junior golf keys, JGK20, Golf Kicks will give you 20% off your order today. You guys sit tight. We'll be right back with Courtney Jones. All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Junior Golf Keys. Uh, this week, I am joined by the associate head women's coach at the University of Washington, excuse me, University of Washington, Courtney Jones. Courtney, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, excited to have you on. You've obviously got a lot of experience when it comes to the junior golf space and college golf space and, um, you know, just excited to bring some value to this group. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Hope I can bring a little bit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, could you start off and just, uh, for context purposes for the audience, um, just tell us a little bit about how you got introduced to the game of golf and kind of what your path has been in the game so far. Of course, of course. I am originally from a suburb of Kansas City called Lake Quivera, Kansas. It's a community with a lake and a golf course and uh you know, my introduction to the game came from my dad, who was a scratch golfer, played in college, and he was still practicing about every day. And once he'd get home from work, he would ask my brother and I if we'd want to hop in the cart and go practice and join him. And I would love that golf cart ride. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd say it, you know, at two, three, four years old, it was a lot more about the golf cart ride than it was about the golf. But then really just hanging out with my dad and I'd pick flowers, hit some wedges and, you know, just got introduced to the game, uh, pretty young and then played my first tournament when I was six years old, which is also very young, but it was a little par three tournament in Kansas city called the Overland park tournament. And I just loved it. I went out there and I loved competing and just had a blast. Uh, they had great, uh, cheeseburgers at this golf course (laughs) that was another motivation you could see there were other things besides the golf initially yeah Um, and then I I was really fortunate um, to also have an amazing uh, mentor and outside of my dad Stan Thirsk who was a head professional at Kansas City Country Club Mm -hmm. Uh, he you know was a legendary PGA professional and you know at the age of nine started taking lessons from Stan you know, he played back in the Tommy Bolt days sure. and, uh, you know, he, he, there's a young man named Tom Watson out of Kansas city that he taught. And I was just so fortunate to be, 
you know, introduced to Stan and um, he, he taught me so much about the game, rhythm, timing, balance, a lot of those old school things and um, played junior golf. There was some competition in Kansas City, but, um, you know, really with a dream of playing on the LPGA one day, knew that it was important to spread my wings a bit outside of Kansas and, you know, I won the state junior and some things around the Kansas City area, but then uh, played in the Texas-Oklahoma shootout in Wichita Falls, started playing some of the AJGA Junior All-Star events, um, traveled to one I remember specifically out in Kissimmee Bay was my first like big AJGA event, traveling to Florida, mm-hmm. and had a had a nice finish there, and you know, just kind of progressively worked my way through the AJGA events. And then that led me to some great exposure and ended up playing my college golf at University of Tulsa. And Melissa Llewellyn now, she was Melissa McNamara back then, but she recruited me to the University of Tulsa. And I just fell in love with the university. She ended up actually leaving. She had an opportunity to go to Arizona State Let's see. It was about two weeks before the start of my college career. Oh wow! And uh, but but you know, she just told me, you know, you're you're a fit at the University of Tulsa. Um, I think it's important for players to know, you know, yes, the coach is important, but at the end of the day, you're looking for that college degree and a program that's a fit for you. So there's so many factors that can change and. I was really fortunate that I, lo- I loved my experience there, um, loved being at a small private school that also, you know, had a great golf tradition and, you know, was fairly close to Kansas City, but um, also far enough away that I could grow up and turn into my own person a bit and spread my wings. So yeah. I loved my time at University of Tulsa. I studied international business and Spanish. I... Uh, Actually, my junior year in college, I uh, was working out with the golf team, and I injured my back. I had two herniated discs, so that was a bit of a, you know, of a wrench thrown into the plan. But, um, you know, just take faith in the fact that, you know, there were so many things that I gained in that year that I had to do the medical red shirt. It really gave me a new appreciation and perspective for the game because I, I couldn't play for that year, and was rehabbing and you know a lot of those things you probably take for granted as a student athlete when you don't have that opportunity to travel and compete I really missed it yeah and came back my senior year of college um, third year of eligibility and I played a few events but it just wasn't the same I still and I played the Stanford event in the fall and then played Arizona State's event in the spring but um, I mean I just I couldn't hit the ball quite the same and I was I was in pain so after the end of my fourth year in college I still had another year of eligibility but decided to um, to hang it up and then was fortunate that there was an opportunity to be a volunteer assistant in my last semester Mm. and Trell McCombs had come on as the new coach and I gained some experience there with finishing up my degree and getting to help out a little bit from a recruiting perspective when we had kids in on visits so that was a neat exposure to college golf Um, but then I I took an internship and worked in an oil company in Tulsa directly out of college and um, loved it great corporate experience but I miss golf I miss being in the game and 
uh, actually the CFO, the company was Sim Group, but the CFO, Greg Wallace, was a great proponent, um, large sponsor for the LPGA and also the AJGA. And, you know, I talked to him quite a bit about what my next step would be and, you know, missed golf, wanted to be involved in the game, wasn't sure exactly what direction I wanted to take, if it was more on the corporate side or more on the college golf side, but um, that was the perfect platform to gain exposure. So fortunately, Stephen Hamlin and the AJGA, they've got a great internship program. So I went and did the internship with the AJGA and then uh, did the spring internship and then was hired on for full-time, I think in May of 2007. And then I worked for them, uh, ran a ton of tournaments. I mean, I would highly recommend the AJGA as a pathway to anyone who's interested in the golf industry. Just you're given a ton of responsibility and obviously the expectations are high at a young age, but you gain so much exposure to so many different uh, situations and I loved my time there and um, met some incredible people and gained a valuable experience. And then that's what led me to coaching. It was, um, I had obviously seen a ton of college coaches out there recruiting through my time as a tournament director, but every year at the year in review, Stephen would ask us, you know, what's, what are your goals? What are your career goals? And that was something really important for the AJGA was placing their, you know, young employees into the path that they want to go on. And I had expressed my interest in wanting to get into college golf. And um, it was in 2011, I was working, I was the assistant tournament director doing all the outside operations at the Rolex Tournament of Champions. And Oklahoma State had just announced that Alan Bratton was going to be their new women's coach. And that really piqued my interest in um, Oski. I guess Mark Oscarson, but everyone at the AJGA, <laughs> everyone knows him by Oski. Yeah. He, he connected me with Alan and um, we had a great chat there on the driving range as I was setting up the course at the Sun River Resort. And, you know, that led to several more conversations. And, um, you know, eventually I was fortunate he wanted to hire me and bring me to Stillwater. And, that was my introduction, you know, directly into my first job in college golf and then um, had amazing opportunities there at Oklahoma State. And for me, what an opportunity is a, you know, a young, young lady trying to get into the college golf world to learn from some of the very best from Coach Bratton to Coach McGraw, obviously Coach Holder is the athletic director, just such great experience. And then the rich tradition at Oklahoma State. Um, I'd been recruited by Oklahoma State, but I didn't. Um, Amy Weeks, who's the coach at Columbia now, she recruited me and did a great job recruiting, but it just wasn't quite a a fit for me. But it was really special to get an opportunity to come back to that part of the country, having played college golf in Oklahoma and um, just working with Alan. And and that whole coaching staff there was was a blast. We had a lot of fun. And um, then I became head coach uh, when Alan took over the men's program. I became the women's head coach in 2013. And then from there, um, had some amazing young women on my team. We had some great success. And then, you know, obviously we had, um, it didn't end like I would have wanted to, but then that led me to the opportunity where I'm at now 
which is at University of Washington and working with a great friend of mine and legendary coach, Mary Lou Molfler. So, um, you know, everything happens for a reason and um, I'm just grateful for where I am right now. Yeah. Um, Well, it's an exciting opportunity for you in your second year, right? Yep. Second year. So a little bit if of you can a, count that. I mean, it was yeah. kind of a year and a half. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. A little bit of a curveball in the first year, but um, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, um, hopefully the second year is a little bit more seamless. Um, <laughs> there's a ton of information in your journey that I think uh, you know we can lean on to bring some value to this group. And I kind of want to go back to you know just your intro to golf, um, if you would. I mean, could you dig in a little bit deeper to? It sounds like you know, you got introduced to the game, obviously, at a really young age. And I think that one of the things that parents are always trying to figure out is, you know, what is the best way to introduce my kid to the game? Um, How do I keep them engaged? What if they're not engaged, and they just want to pick flowers or, you know, do stuff outside or ride on the golf cart, right? Um, You talked about some of those things. And it sounds like, um, you know, your dad was putting you in a position where you could be exposed to the game, but also didn't really uh, push you super hard to the point where he kind of let you decide that it was something that you wanted to do for yourself. Is that accurate? Yeah, I'd say that's very accurate. I think the exposure to the game is really the most important. And that's something from being a tournament director to being a college coach. And then through my own experiences, you you do see parents that want it more than their kids. And um, that's one of the first things that I'll, you know, just encourage when someone asks for suggestions for their son or daughter, I'm just keep it fun, keep, uh, keep them interested. And as a college coach, you know, we're not looking for the best 15 year old out there. We're looking for, you know, those later bloomers or someone who's going to play their very best golf, you know, 18 to 22 and beyond when hopefully they're on the LPGA or the PGA tour. So I think the most important part is to maintain that true love of the game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's an art in how to do that because, you know, kids are, you know, putting in a ton of time and, you know, especially in today's day and age and a bit more sport specialization, you probably see, people that focus on golf at a much younger age. I was fortunate Kansas city. It does get very cold there in the winters. You know, you get snow and golf shuts down. So I played basketball through my sophomore year of high school. Yeah. Um, I wasn't necessarily great. Yeah. (laughs) I was a little too short and a little too slow, but but I loved it. And I love the team concept of it. And I think that that was, uh, that was key for me in the winter months to be able to step away, put the golf clubs down and miss it a little bit and then get out there. And folk, there's so many things that I learned through competing in basketball that I know helped me uh, later in life when I was, uh, you know, in the college golf realm. But, um, but yeah, I just encourage that balance and just to truly keep that fire and passion alive for the game. I think that's probably the number one thing that if you're a parent out there just to to really respect that and you know keep keep it fun yeah because um, love of the game golf's a game of a lifetime and you you'd hate to see your kid not you know want to have it in their life forever yeah yeah for sure no, I 100% agree with you and I think that 
you know, I, I've said it a bunch of times too before that the game just has to remain fun because it's something that we can play for a long time. And if we can keep it fun, um, then we'll want to play it for a long time. But I think sometimes I catch myself saying that, but not really like describing what that means. So like, what does that mean to you? Um, like if you're trying to give advice to a parent around keeping the game fun, how do you do that? That's a great question. Well, you know, the, golf is a game. You know, we, I think we forget that some. And, it, you know, it might be a bit more just in the structure of the junior golf structure in the United States. But it's tournament after tournament after tournament. I mean, these kids today could play in a golf tournament every single day of the year. Sure. Um, but that's you, you got to step back and look and ask, is that really in their best interest in their development. Um, I think tournaments should be used more as a, you know, a test. And obviously, you know, hopefully your kid loves to compete and wants to get out there, but there's also ways to compete through practice and creating practice. That's really fun. You know, if it's putting and chipping games with other kids at the country club or the golf course that you're growing up at or, playing games through drills against yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So trying to find little ways in practice. And I mean, I I just loved putting games. I love spending, I spent almost all my time up on the putting and chipping green and working on wedges. And I really loved the practice side of it. Um, Of course, I love to go and compete as well, but um, you just, for me, I just loved practicing and competing. And it probably stemmed a bit from, playing putting contests with my dad and just spending a ton of time there at a young age. But it was, I was more exposed, I'd say to kind of those games and competition at a young age, Mm -hmm. just through, it was pretty organic. Um, It was just, Hey, you want to bet a quarter and go out (laughs) there and, (laughs) you know, for a seven or eight or nine year old, that's a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Let's bet a quarter. And I want to beat my dad. For sure. So I'm, I'm really grateful that, that was the environment that I did grow up in. Yeah. 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 It has nothing to do with the quarter, right? It's just, about <laughs> yeah, the, uh, no. <laughs> uh, that's not going to change the game, but, um, but yeah, definitely that competitive edge, that competitive environment. Um, and you talk about the short game and spending a lot of time there. And I think that that's a super important topic for junior golf, specifically any golfer really, because anybody that spends, uh, an adequate amount of time on their short game is going to really improve and, and clean up their scoring. Um, why is the short game so important for, for young players? You know, I mean, I think it's important just for everybody. I think at a young age though, you're developing that touch and feel. And then I I think it also ties back to competition. I Um, you know, if you're growing up and you're, you know, for me, I was really one of the only girls at the club that I played at, but there were some really good guys as well. So I'd Mm. compete with the guys and have a little putting and chipping contest with them. And I think you naturally see that a bit more that there may be more young, young boys out there playing the game. Um, at least when I was growing up now, nowadays with the growth of the game, Fortunately, I think there's a lot more um, girls starting to play and starting to play at a younger age. But I think it is um, just that keeping it fun part and just encourage them to get out there and and compete. And um, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, totally makes sense. Um, So I want to shift and talk a little bit about 
college. Obviously, that's the the world that you're in now um, and have been for quite a while. But I want to talk about um, go back to your recruiting process, because you mentioned something that I think is a pretty uh, maybe more common than people realize, but also unique at the same time, which is you got recruited to a school. And um, kind of in the 11th hour, there was a coaching change that was made and but your decision remained the same. So can you kind of take us through that thought process? One of the things that you were talking about when you described that was that, uh, you know, your coach that had recruited you uh, meant told you that, you know, you were a good fit for Tulsa. Um, And so can you kind of go into that a little bit further? And did you ever consider leaving and following them to to Arizona State or what did that look like for you yeah I I think just the natural reaction is a bit of a panic sure (laughs) and you know you you do you spend so much time in developing that relationship with a coach which is incredibly important um you know you you want to choose a place where you can go in to develop but the University of Tulsa golf program I mean it was bigger than just um, Melissa. It was, um, there was a strong tradition there. And a big reason that I chose it was, um, it was that it was about the institution. It was about the city. It was some, a place I fell in love with. I visited, you know, a lot of schools. I was in that um, kind of strange class of September 11th, where mm-hmm. I was supposed to go on my official visit to Florida that weekend, to the University of Florida that weekend. And then all flights were grounded. So, um, but I, I visited a mixture of schools. I visited bigger schools. I went to University of Tennessee on an official visit. So large college town, larger university. Yep. Um, and then I also visited um, Vanderbilt and then um, University of Tulsa. And I was supposed to go on a visit to Stanford the following weekend, but uh Melissa closed the deal (laughs) and I committed to the university of Tulsa before going on a visit there. But I do, I think it's important to choose a place where you would be happy as a, as a student, because you just never know what's going to happen in the game. I mean, I couldn't have foreseen that I was going to injure my back and, you know, not be able to compete for a year, but because I was at a school that was a fit, I still enjoyed my, my time there, even though it looked different than I would have imagined. Yeah. Um, and I also actually, my first visit was to Oklahoma state. I messed that one up. We just okay. drove. So we didn't have to, we didn't have to hop on a plane to that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that that's something that, you know, the, the whole recruiting process is can be a stressful one, right. For families and, um, you know, the, the scenario that you went through could add a little bit of more of, you know, anxiety and, uh, you know, stress to the situation. So, uh, but I like your advice around just, you know, looking at really the big picture and, you know, making a decision that, you know, for more reasons than one, um, in your case, one being the coach, uh, you know, Tulsa is still a good fit for you. Right. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about Washington. Um, what is a day in the life like at Washington for one of the ladies there? Well, Seattle is an amazing city. So the University of Washington is about 15 minutes from downtown Seattle. Um, I think, you know, honestly, a day in the life of someone at the University of Washington or just 
college golf in general, that it, it really looks pretty similar across the board. Uh, you know, our, our team is getting up early 6.30 in the morning, two to three times a week for team workouts. Then they're heading to class and, um, except for obviously in the, in the spring quarter, they were zooming for class. <laughs> right. So, you know, that things looked a little bit different at the end of last year and then currently. Yeah. But um, typically, you know, you'd go on campus, have class until about 12 and then uh, grab lunch and then we're heading out to practice. And we're fortunate to have um, some really amazing facilities around the city of Seattle that we're able to, to go and play and compete on. Broadmoor Golf Club is a amazing golf course just a couple miles from campus that We'll go on Tuesday. So we have a rotation between different private clubs. Uh, Sahali, incredible golf course, has hosted many championships, PGA championships, USGA championships. Um, That's just 20 minutes away. So we're fortunate to have a variety of courses to go and practice at. And then we also have our own facility down at Washington National, which is called the Playground. And that's a short game really short game focused area there's a golf course a full course as well driving range but when we go down there we're really um tailoring our practices to short game and team design short game practices could you kind of talk a little bit about um what is the breakdown between playing and practicing uh with the ladies i mean in terms of just how that's structured um spending more time practicing more time playing um can you kind of break it down a little bit for us yeah, it's probably it's I I would say it evolves as well from the beginning of the season, you know, when all of your freshmen are arriving on campus, you're starting to get to know everybody. Um first of the year, typically we're going on a retreat where you have uh we'll have a lot of qualifying and then it's really about gaining the players' trust and getting to know their game. Mm-hmm. So while we're out there, we're trying to get them to play a lot at the beginning once the team is back and we can officially practice together. But then obviously there's a balance of that with um, with putting together some organized team practices as well. But once you arrive on campus and we really hit the ground running with having those qualifiers and then um, going off to compete in our, you know, we play in two tournaments typically before school starts uh, we're a quarter school, so we'll start first day of classes, typically September 30th. So, you know, last year we played two tournaments prior to even the girls stepping in the classroom. Yeah. So that's something that is a little bit different if someone ends up at a quarter school versus semester school. When I was at Oklahoma State, it was a very different structure just because, you know, classes are starting and you have a, a bit more time before your first yeah. tournament. Yeah. So little difference there between the semester and quarter schools do you think there's what are the advantages and disadvantages to that i guess for those folks that are listening that are trying to figure out you know would i fit better at a quarter school or a semester school i mean do you think there's any advantage or disadvantage i i've absolutely loved like last year the the just the unique opportunity for it to be all golf and all really i'd say team focused at the beginning that without the school element that you're able to, um, I mean, we're able to do a few more things that when you're, you're going to class in the mornings, you aren't able to do like 
at Oklahoma State. But I mean, we I, when I was at Oklahoma State, we created kind of a mini retreat. It was just we stayed in Stillwater yep. for the retreat. Um, so I think coaches are going to find a way to create that team bonding and uh, in one way or another. But I've really, really enjoyed just the the pure golf at the start of our year, um, at least last year at yeah, Washington. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about culture, something that uh, I don't think you use the word culture, but when you were talking about your time at Oklahoma State and uh, Coach Holder and Coach McGraw and Coach Bratton, um, you know, I had an opportunity to have Coach Bratton on the podcast, uh, which you know, and uh, we talked a lot about culture and just the, you know, what they've done to build a program there. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you, what you guys are looking for at Washington? What do you avoid? Uh, what plays into that culture that you're trying to build? Yeah. It, I mean, we're looking for someone who is a, is a team player who obviously Washington is an outstanding academic institution. Uh, you know, want someone who's really driven academically, but also athletically, um, Washington's a really special place just in that people are achieving at very, very high levels academically and athletically. And I would say the whole approach of the athletic department is about that holistic development of the student athlete. I mean, obviously we want to vie and compete for national championships, but there is a, a heavy focus on the personal development and growth and, um, you know, something that Coach Mulver just harps on, and it's it's really great to see that that culture here is bigger than any one person. I mean, you're stepping into uh, Washington women's golf, and um, it's about the team, and we want really, really competitive young women to be a part of that, and that, you know, we encourage ultimate competitiveness, but we want a group of young women who appreciate that their teammates going to go out there and try to kick mm-hmm. their butt. And then, you know, they're going to go out and enjoy a nice meal yeah. after. Um, so really like, you know, that appreciation for competition and high level competition. So wanting highly competitive people, but that also are very respectful and that they understand that it's about something bigger than them and that's what's just so special about college golf um you know you get that maybe in some states in the high school environment but uh, nothing like college golf where you're surrounded by a group of high achieving people that have a similar dream as you and you're working together um to to win that team national championship there's there's so much more to winning those team events and I mean, you can you can win tournaments on your own the rest of your yeah. life, but college is really a special time when it's it's about something greater than yeah, yourself. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, definitely in the college space. And then, you know, there's some opportunities as juniors, too, to <laughs> compete in that team environment. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about your experience uh, being a vice captain for the Junior Solheim Cup? Yeah, that was um, – man, talk about an honor. And I was so lucky that Alan – yeah, Coach Bratton didn't. He wanted me to stay on with the AJGA until I'd finished that. So I was I was really grateful because I joined, you know, the team a little bit after the start of the yeah. season. But uh, yeah, the Junior Solheim Cup that's uh, it's, it's such a wonderful opportunity for uh, those young ladies and 
I mean, to have Ping come out as um, a sponsor, and they've been a sponsor for, I mean, I, re- I remember when I was playing junior golf, wanting that opportunity, um, but I, I wasn't good enough. I didn't qualify yeah. for it. But it was such a special week to have that chance to represent your country. And, you know, obviously on that stage. So the Solheim Cup was in Ireland. So I was fortunate to get to take an amazing group of young women. I'm Jay Marie Green, Allison Lee, mm. so many. Uh, Mariah Stackhouse, Karen Chung. I mean, Emma Talley. You, you see all those players and sure. now they're on the LPGA or Symmetra Tour. But I think it's really special to have the opportunity to go and represent your country and to do that. You know, obviously in Ireland, it's something that, you know, the American girls don't don't have that opportunity very yeah. much. Um, the European players, I think, you know, with the federation system, there's several more opportunities for them to go out there and compete and represent their mm-hmm. country. So uh, it was really special. And then to have a captain, Meg Mallon is just a legend. I mean, obviously Hall of Famer, but then so humble, so down to earth. Um, the way that she just um, opened her arms to those young women and shared advice um, was really, really special. And then obviously they're getting to spend some time around um, the the ladies on the Solheim Cup. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's a once in a lifetime experience and I'm just so grateful for the opportunity that I had to be over there and wear red, white, and blue, and most importantly, getting to to help those young women and get to know them. And it's fun to see where they are on their um, trajectory and paths now towards reaching their dreams because, you know, a couple of them have been on the Solheim Cup. So that's pretty cool to see the junior Solheim Cuppers that are now um, you know, on the Solheim Cup, both for Europe and Yeah, yeah, that is really neat to see. Um, Well, it sounds like you took on somewhat of a form of mentorship in that role as well. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think that that's something really special uh, about when you're a tournament director at the AJGA. It's it is the amount of time that you get to spend around those uh, you know young golfers and their families, and you you forge you know lifelong friendships. I mean, there's uh, I'm trying to think of Jordan Spieth. I think was 12 and won a junior All Star at Walnut Creek. Yeah. Um, you know, so to see them at that age and then really get to know them along the way. Um, and then to see where they are now, um, it's, it's a lot of fun. The AJGA is more than just the golf tournament. There's a lot of the social interaction, um, and, you know, tournament directors get to get to know those young men and women and man, are they impressive. And then to get to see where they are now, it's, it's really special for sure. Um, let's talk a little bit more about mentorship. You talked earlier about, um, you know, growing up and getting introduced to, you know, Stan as your mentor and and coach and some of the, you know, more traditional things that he worked with you on. Um, Can you talk maybe a little bit more about that relationship and what uh, you were able to pull away from it? And then just any advice that you have for players that are out there that are listening or parents that are looking for a mentor, coach, um, somebody to kind of help uh, their young players as a sounding board, maybe not even necessarily like a technical coach, but just somebody that, uh, you know, they can spend time with that They can learn the game from that. They can talk to about their rounds, those types of things. Yeah, no, I was, I was so incredibly fortunate, um, you know, to get to Stan was almost like a grandfather to me. Um, and, you know, I hear so many young girls that were recruiting, they talk about their swing coach. And I mean, it's, 
you want to find someone who's going to teach you about the game and about life. And I was just blessed to, to have that with Stan, but it's so much more than just, you know, going in for a lesson and hitting golf balls for an hour and, you know, Hey, you got to work on this. I'll see you next week. Um, so I was just fortunate that Stan would, I mean, we'd go out on the golf course a ton and after we'd play nine holes, um, we'd go in and, have an iced tea together in the clubhouse and we'd just talk about golf. And I mean, he'd share his stories um, from back in the days when he's playing the U S opens or different students that he'd taught through the years. And um, you know, so I was fortunate to have um, just a lot of wisdom that I was a curious young lady and I just asked him a lot of questions and picked his brain. And I, I just enjoyed spending time with them. So, I mean, I think that, finding people that you enjoy spending time with and they align with your ideals. Uh, He he was someone who was a great mentor, but it was so much more than just the game of golf. It was about life. It was about how you treat people. I mean, he was the ultimate gentleman, um, but then he also was an absolute incredible golfer. (laughs) So um, to have both of that, I was just very, fortunate um you know and he he taught up until man i think he was 83 84 he was still giving lessons and then um you know was a teaching pro for i mean almost 50 years maybe 55 years um that he was a pga professional yeah my dad had a very similar relationship like that when he was growing up playing i had a chance to talk to him about it um on the show and yeah it's just interesting just little stuff that you know you can pick up that's on on golf related i remember him telling a story about uh he walked in to talk to um you know the guy that he used to meet with and he had a tooth my dad had a toothpick in his mouth um for no apparent reason but um i guess he had asked him about it um you know as the conversation was going on or after they had finished up talking about his round for the day he said hey what is you know what's the toothpick all about my dad said nothing he said well good i thought you know you would say that i didn't think it really had any relevance so um don't (laughs) don't ever do anything that's going to draw attention to yourself for in any unnecessary reasons or anything like that so he was just he was more than a a golf sounding board golf mentor for my dad he just kind of just little that's just a small example obviously but just little things along the way that kind of teach um him about life and you know how to act and you know like you said how to be a gentleman you know those types of things so i think it's super important for for young players um, and just young people and people in general to have those folks in their lives that um, are going to help kind of keep them down the right path. Right. I'll, I'll never forget where Stan. So he won, I don't know what event it was. It maybe was a PJ professional event, but he won the tournament and, but he signed for the wrong score and it was a lower score. So therefore he was disqualified and, his wife, um, she kept that check and she actually posted, she put it in their garage. So Stan Hmm. repeatedly would tell me these stories about the importance of signing a right scorecard. So I don't know if it was for a year or longer, but it was definitely a long time that she kept that, that check in their garage. So every time he drove (laughs) home from the, from the club, he was reminded of the importance of, you know, signing the right scorecard. And that was, something that really made an impression on me at a young age and you know lots of little stories like that that 
it's it's a way to teach but yet it's fun and you know he just kind of had a gift of storytelling and just they were from his own experiences but I mean that definitely left an impression on me and then as a tournament director when I'm in the scoring tent at the AJGA you know I felt an extra responsibility making sure no one left the scoring tent you know make sure that this is the right score on each hole double check I mean my players at Washington my former players at Oklahoma State probably sick and tired (laughs) at the end of every single qualifier I go through that five check system and I say you know double check your hole by hole you aren't responsible for the total but make sure the hole by hole is correct because you know hopefully you you don't have to learn that lesson um, when you reach the point in your career when you're making a living. Yeah, it. for so, sure. Uh, uh, Stan was Stan was reminded of that by Audrey, his wife, for a while. <laughs> I'm sure not a fun memory, but I, I bet he laughed about it a couple <laughs> times eventually. <laughs> for sure. Um, well, I want to kind of move towards wrapping up, but obviously we're you know in a unique time right now with everything that's going on with COVID, and you know it's been a last year. Uh, last season was a unique one with the spring season getting cut short. Um, you know, there's several conferences uh, as we roll into the 2020, 2021 season that uh, have opted not to play in the fall. Um, I believe you guys are going on with your schedule, correct? In the fall. So we oh, are not. not actually. The oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. We fall into the, so the PAC 12 announced, um, January yep. 1st would be the earliest there'd be any competition. As okay. Of right okay. Now. Um, well, what I was going to ask is, I mean, do you have any advice for, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a ripple effect with, you know, um, the NCAA has allowed schools to um, have seniors back. Um, and so that could affect maybe some 2021s or 2022s, you know, with scholarships. Like, do you have any advice for, that group of people that may be listening, if they're just trying to figure out, you know, what is the right thing for them to do right now? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you're trying to focus on your process and your journey. So there are, there are going to be great things that come out of this. You may not know what that is right now, but it's going to make us all grittier and stronger in the long run. Um, But I think a directly related just to the scholarship thing, I would, you know, I, I know it's probably hard to hear this, but find somewhere where you want to go regardless of that, that factor. Yeah. And you never know when, when money might be available. Um, it, it, you just find somewhere you want to go. And I mean, there were multiple times that, Oklahoma state that I ended up having extra aid that I was able to give to my walk-ons and I, you know, could never, I never promised that, but if it was there, then I obviously wanted to be able to reward those that were working Mm -hmm. hard. Um, So I I know it's a big financial commitment for, um, for these families, but I would just encourage to continue to look at, you know, where you believe you would be the happiest and you just we don't know how all this is going to fall you don't know how it's going to shake out um you know there might be someone that thinks they're going to come back and maybe they're injured um coaches are always recruiting so you you may not you might hear from a couple of schools hey we're done with our recruiting class we're done with our recruiting class but just keep plugging along and keep reaching out um and you know there there's going to be places out there for people to 
to fall that that will be the right fit yeah and there's a ton of opportunities out there right i mean across all different divisions and conferences um you know i think over a thousand opportunities on the women's side right and that's just the the staying patient yeah. like you know there were so many times you know both when i was at the ajga and then now as a coach where you do you you get these calls from parents or kids and they are they're stressed and they're panicked and they think you know all these spots are gone and you know i just don't believe that that's the case yeah. if you just focus on your own development and trajectory and being as great as you can people are going to find a way to have you as a part of their yeah. team uh, so just i think more just focusing on what you can control and that's just your own development and then the dominoes typically fall into place as yeah, they should. for sure. Um, all right. So the last portion of this, um, and I know you've listened before, but I like to throw the mic back to the guest and uh, ask you to just fire a question or two back at me, um, either about this project or golf in general, junior golf, um, anything that maybe sparked your interest during some of our conversation that um, you want to lean on me for. Yeah, I'm I'm curious about just I think this podcast is fantastic, but what inspired you to create the podcast and then I guess how has that changed you through all these interviews um that I mean you've had amazing interviews and gotten to speak to so many different people. Yeah, thanks. Um, um well, I mean, I I started the project I was uh I was recruiting junior players at IMG Academy uh, for a few years and really enjoyed that. Um, I worked with families from all around the world and uh, answered, you know, a ton of questions for families just about, you know, the process and junior golf in the U S college recruiting, those types of things. Um, I had an opportunity to uh, shift my career a little bit to help build a tournament on the corn Ferry tour. And when I was leaving IMG, I didn't want to, um, you know, leave junior golf completely because um, I really enjoyed it. I've coached Little League Baseball for years. And so I just I just really enjoy um, being around young kids, helping them grow and develop in their you know athletic careers and just in life in general. Uh, I had a lot of really good coaches growing up. So I feel like that's a big part of, uh, you know, who I am today. So. Yeah, it was just an opportunity for me to continue to give resources to the um, to the junior golf community that's out there. So um, I've tried to focus on having people on that have had unique experiences, um, that have had a good path, uh, good journey in the in the game of golf, um, and some that you know haven't really had much. I've had a couple of guests on that didn't really have a super deep involvement in the game of golf, but could relate to it in other ways. Um, And so it gave me an opportunity to create a platform where I could answer just knowing the questions that I answered when I was recruiting players for the Academy. um, I I just tried to create the show around helping talk about those topics because there's just a lot of things that families don't know what they don't know. And so, um, fortunately I've been in the position where I know a lot of the questions, uh, and concerns that those families have. And so that's kind of what the show is all about. Um, and I kind of forget the second part of your question. (laughs) (laughs) Most interesting interview. (laughs) Oh, um, oh boy. 
most interview. Um, I don't know if I can really pick one interview. I'll, I'll just say that, you know, I've had, I've had a few very unique guests. So, I mean, I've had the opportunity to talk to several college coaches like yourself. I think all those stories are different. Um, you know, I've also had my dad on the show. Um, that's, you know, probably my favorite conversation that I've had so far, just, you know, given that relationship, um, you know, some other unique ones. I had the director of player development at the university of Illinois for their football program on, um, yeah, oh, but wow. he played, you know, golf in high school. Um, he was an ex Navy seal. Um, so just a really unique conversation. Uh, coach Jake's wig, uh, was his name. Um, I had a retired Lieutenant Colonel on who his name is, uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel Brian price recently, um, who has a, company that he started on the mental side called top mental game. Um, so just, it's given me an opportunity to have unique conversations with people that, um, I don't believe I'd really have an opportunity to talk to otherwise, um, you know, unless I had this platform that I was trying to build and grow Ben Curtis, British, British open champ. I had him on, um, you know, it's just some different people like that. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. No, that's fantastic. And thanks for wanting to. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. For sure. Um, Yeah, I think anything that we can do to continue to put, you know, good, valuable information out there in front of, you know, these young players and their families, um, just going to help the game and help it continue to grow. So that's the whole plan. No, that's wonderful. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much. I appreciate you being on. Yeah. All right. Well, have a great day. Thanks. You too. Bye. Well, that wraps up episode 50 this week. I really appreciate you guys tuning in for our chat with Courtney Jones, the head associate women's coach at the University of Washington. Courtney, really appreciate your time, you coming on and sharing some valuable information with this group that I think they're going to be able to take and help themselves in their junior golf journeys. So uh, thank you very much for your time. And thank you to you listeners again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. As I always ask, uh, if you took any value away from this episode, please share it. Please leave a review. Also, make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we've got coming up. And I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.